Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I'm your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Tim, today I'm really excited about our conversation because it actually, the, the stuff we're going to talk about comes from a brand new resource, a brand new ebook that you just wrote called The Comeback Classroom. Uh, it's a fantastic resource. In fact, at the end of this podcast, we're going to tell everybody how they can get it. Um, but this conversation around the two sort of life skills that we're going to talk about today actually came from an experience that you had uh, recently with one of our longtime partners. So you want to talk about that? Yeah, it seems like today's generation of students, particularly middle school, high school and university students are super pragmatic. Mm. I don't think that's hyperbole. They're no. just very, very practical. Yeah. They live in if a it, world that requires it. That's right. Absolutely. So uh, one of our longtime partners, I was uh, in front of this group of seniors in high school. Okay. There were three students from each high school in this school district. And I had given them a challenge. We talked about communication. I give them a challenge to make a persuasive speech in five minutes. Okay. So you just have five minutes to sell an idea. The first group that hopped up talked about what they wish their school taught. Okay. Interesting. So yeah. beyond reading, writing, arithmetic, which I'm <laughs> sure the school did, yeah. they were, um, well, they were really good. Okay. But the bottom line, they said, I wish we got a class on life skills. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So um, we all have heard that term. In fact, many universities and athletic departments have life skills courses because they realize sometimes you don't learn how to balance a checkbook, use a credit card, uh, build your credit, yeah. you know, pay bills and rent. So they just were saying, in fact, I asked them, what's the scariest part of life after graduation? They said, paying bills. <laughs> so they, I could tell this was on their mind. Yeah. But I thought to myself, we do need to be practical. Of course, we need yeah. the regular academic courses we offer. But I think in addition, we need to say, we're going to keep it real. Yeah. And we're going to offer some very, very helpful skill sets that you will use over and over and over again and probably write your teacher a thank you note yeah. when, when you're 35. Absolutely. And it's like, why aren't more schools doing this? In fact, I think you probably felt because you're talking about life skills all the time. Like yeah. these people were almost, it was like they were advertising for what you talk yeah. about all of yeah. the time. But really what's happening is we're speaking to a need that I feel like students feel all the time. So really what, honestly, what we're talking about today is exactly what those students yeah. were asking for. Really, we're going to zero in on two of these life skills that students are going to need. And, and maybe they won't look at it as practically as paying bills, but we know these are skills they're going to need yeah. if they're going to be able to pay those bills. So listeners, I believe the two skill sets we're going to talk about today are meta competencies, yeah. meaning they're overarching, probably above all, if I could just give a, a young person two skills, two qualities, it would be these two. Yeah. Now, there's a thousand they need to learn <laughs> yes. for sure. But I, I want you to tune in if you're listening, because I'm. we're about to talk about something that I wish I could go back with my own two adult children yep. when they were younger and say, let's build these two into, they're going to ensure your future yes. success. Because honestly, if you look back, you would have said, oh yeah, we need those skills. Mm -hmm. But now that you're in the yeah. world you're in today, 2022, you're going, oh my gosh, we needed those skills even more uh, than we could have imagined. Yeah. So I think, Andrew, you would agree with me. One of the saddest realities that surfaced during the COVID-19 pandemic over the last two years, can you believe it's been two years? It's wild. Um, was the loss of hope yeah. on the part of so many students. Yeah, that's Even true. smart ones, even ones that are destined to probably start a company and, and take over the world. Mm -hmm. There was just a sense of, of hopelessness and helplessness. Yeah. Um, 
And like you listeners, I mourn the millions globally who died from the infection. COVID was a horrible thing on, on many fronts. On top of that, the deaths, though, many of them were suicide. Yeah. And it was students that didn't catch COVID, but they were just saying, I don't want even want to go on. Yeah. So I'll take my life. Mm. In August of 2020, I've quoted this many, many times, August of 2020, so that was quite a while ago, uh, the CDC posted some data on their site that stunned me. One in four, not one in 50, one in four young wow. adults, yeah. ages 16 to 24 in America, had contemplated suicide over the last month. Um, gosh, that's just, life wasn't supposed to be that life. No, it was not. And it, it's it's sort of the... Uh, crisis beneath the crisis. And I know a lot yeah. of people have talked about it that yeah. way, yeah. but I think this is a, a part of us, what we need to acknowledge is this is what it has looked like for those young people who maybe weren't at greater risk of infection or hospitalization or all of that, uh, but they were affected by everything that's been going yeah. on. Yeah. So Lily Allen was one of these students. Mm -hmm. Lily remembers losing hope um, as she started seeing the shifting realities of life after school and graduation and seeing so many things evaporate, the yep. plans she had yep. made were gone. Uh, nothing was going to be like she imagined. Certainly nothing would be like she had dreamed uh, in life after graduation. And in multiple interviews, Lily said she felt helpless and hopeless. That was the, the word she used. And I want to quote her here, okay. um, Andrew. She said, I was deep in my depression hole, crying in my room. She said, I honestly felt like the world was ending. All the walls were closing in on me. I couldn't breathe. I was like, there's no way to get better. Now, you and I might, as older people, might look back and go, my gosh, the world's not ending. Yeah. But it felt that way. Yeah. And feelings are feelings. They're, they're real. They're, yeah. they're real. They're, they're valid because they are feelings. Uh, so suicide attempts were already on the rise among teens before the pandemic. Uh, we've begun to normalize these yep. mental health issues. Yep. That data was clear even in 2019. But during the pandemic, listeners, I don't know if you know this, but suicidal thoughts and attempts among teen girls especially increased over 50% compared to 2019. Suicidal ideation can stem from several different sources. And I just especially mourn the number of young people who've simply run out of hope. Yeah. It's hard to not look back over the last two years and think we could have done better. Yeah. We could have led them better because, the, yeah. you know, there were some causes of these uh, of the suicidal ideation that was like that was going to happen, you know. Yeah. But there were other moments like the like what you're talking about, where it was like it was really just a lack of hope. And if we had led them mm -hmm. a little bit better, maybe yeah. maybe we could have yeah. saved them from having to go through that. Yeah, I agree. So these two metacompetencies that I brought up earlier may not seem like they connect with this hopelessness, but they do. Mm. So listeners, hang with us for the next several minutes. We're going to lay this out, try to give you some really practical action steps to, to go after these. So I love it. Here's how I would set it up. As I gaze across the horizon, I really believe there are two metacompetencies that stand above all others. Certainly, there are several important skills, as I've already said. But two of them uh, seem to be meta-influencing the others. Is that a term? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I like I it. Know, but, I, but I made it up. Yep. Yes. So here they are. I'm just going to give them to you right now that we're going to unpack them. Number one is resourcefulness. Yeah. Resourcefulness. Okay. We all agree. Yeah, that's good. Number two, resiliency. Yeah. 
So resourcefulness and resiliency. And in fact, they are even tied together. Okay. Yeah. So the chief reason I believe resourcefulness is a meta competency is that a K-12 student today has a very high probability of getting a job after graduation that doesn't even exist today. Yeah. So where does resourcefulness come in? Well, they're going to be trained for a job, take their first job, or maybe their second one is the one that doesn't exist today. They're going to have to be resourceful. Yeah. They're going to have to dig and search and figure yeah. out how to do this new thing that wasn't even on the radar screen when I was in school. Yeah. It won't, it won't be about the knowledge that's already in their brain, but rather yeah. about the ability that they'll have to access, to find, and to uh, digest brand new knowledge. Yeah. You're exactly right. So um, many are going to claim that they en they'll enjoy several careers, not just several jobs, but several careers. Yeah. We, we know that's true. Um, and as teachers facilitate learning for their students, this is a profound truth to recognize. If we could teach this skill, it's not only going to help their studies, yeah. but it's going to help their life yes. afterwards, yes. Um, I believe. And uh, again, the premise is all built on the fact that things change so quickly. I'm going to have to be resourceful in almost every category. Grocery shopping, job hunting, uh, uh, my marriage, which yeah. may reinvent himself, yeah. everything. So to give students an advantage as they mature into adulthood, we need to equip them to be resourceful, to not shrink from digging into issues, drawing conclusions about them, and to know how to find answers for themselves. Now, our chief hurdle, in my opinion, is this. We take pride in resourcing them so well as adults, caring adults, that we, they often don't develop these skills. We've resourced them. Yeah. How, you don't need to be resourceful if mom and dad and the teacher have given you everything you need. Yeah. But we feel inadequate if we don't. We feel like we weren't. We didn't do a good job. Yeah, it's the it's the uh, the paradox I think of the way that we define good parenting, yeah, good yeah. teaching, good coaching in today's world is we define the quality of it by how much we've given them. Yeah, and it's true. A lot of times, I think we should probably be defining by how little we've given them or how much rather that we've set them up to give themselves. No doubt about it. I think you'd agree the most resourceful people are frequently the ones who grew up with fewer resources. Yeah. I don't wish this upon anybody, but yet in one sense, I kind of do only because I know the outcome is going to be, they are going to be good. Yeah. Um, when I talk to division one NCAA coaches, they'll say, we love students that are international students that have had to be resourceful. These uh, middle-class or affluent American kids not so much. Yeah. And they I'm sort not of stereotyping them. Yeah, they? that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So now, in addition, there is another valuable competency we need to be intentional to build into students, and that's resilience. Resilience is the ability to bounce back after adversity. I don't know if that's the best definition, but that's certainly one that paints the picture. The speed and convenience that mark our culture today, and we all love it, yeah. um, have diminished this virtue. Teachers nationwide report that young people today give up too easily. Uh, they don't like problems that take too long or require too much effort uh, because technology has made life, I don't know, quick and easy. Leaders and teachers must find ways to develop real resiliency in students that's intentional. Yeah. Um, remember, we talked about Singapore math, that yeah. two-day conference that yeah. made its way around America. And uh, the math problem, the very math problem that Singapore students took an hour to solve and eventually got it, or at least gave up after an hour, yeah. our students lasted 37 seconds. And it's not because they're not as smart as Singapore students. I think it's because we just give up when it gets to be too long yep. and too hard. Yep. I got other options. Yeah. yeah. If I'm a kid who grew up 20, 30, 40 years ago, I would have learned 
yes. to fight through hard things, yep. to do hard things, to finish jobs that I start in a way that isn't really required of today's kids. It's yeah. not their fault. It is their reality. Yeah, that's right. So I would argue that resilience is a second metacompetency because in today's fast-paced, ever-changing world, uh, requires trial and error, and and you're just going to have to be bouncing back because you will make errors. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Things are changing too quick for us not to be That's dealing right. with errors. Yeah. Mistakes are going to be made. Failure is going to happen. And uh, s- some unknown element is sure to be missed along the way. So bouncing back and bouncing forward. I like that even better. I do. I like that uh, too. Yeah. So one last big thought before we get really practical on some steps. I actually believe there's a connection between these two, resilience and resourcefulness. When students learn to be resourceful, they're naturally more resilient. Mm. Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Uh, After trial and error, students tend to see more options for solutions. Yeah. You know, you try here and try, ooh, this works, this doesn't work. Um, Their creative juices have not been completely depleted. Additionally, when a student is resilient, they tend to have the stamina to keep trying other resources to solve the problem. You see how they go together, listeners? Yeah, yeah. They, they likely feel the agency they need to feel and the personal strength to attempt other answers, other solutions. Informed, by the way, I might add, by their previous failed attempts. So when students possess both of these competencies, resiliency and resourcefulness, the sky's the limit as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. And, and what's fun is now I'll talk to people that are more closer to your age. I know that's very old, Andrew. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm uh, ancient. That's right. Yeah. But let's just say 30. Yeah. Okay. They will say, yeah, learning those made all the difference in the world. Yep. Because I was able to reinvent myself on my current job. Yep. When the, my supervisor said, don't need you to do that anymore. Need you to do this. Yep. It didn't throw me. I yep. love that. How many How many young people, when they get five, 10 years into their first career, maybe yeah. not even that long, by the yeah. way, are going to realize that suddenly they're not doing the job that they signed up for. They're doing the job that their company needs. Yeah. And I, yeah, I've, I've heard it said many times, and it was definitely true for me that my your 20s are when you learn how to work. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's and right. I think a lot of that learning how to work, especially in the 21st yeah. century, especially post pandemic, is really about how resourceful are you? How yeah. well are you able to bounce between tasks? How well are you able to meet the needs of yeah. the people around you? Right. Um, and those are such huge competencies. Doing what is needed. Haven't we been talking about that in the leadership Ooh, team? All the Doing time. Doing what is needed. Yeah. yeah. That's good. So listeners, I want to pose a hypothetical question for you to think about, and then we're going to get real practical as we close out. So my question is this, what comes to mind when you consider how you can build these two competencies in your students? Are there ways that you think you could further deepen the resourcefulness in those kiddos. And then, and then how about the, the resiliency? Mm. How could we help them bounce back and keep that good attitude I love and, that. and persevere? Yeah. I love that. Back to that Singapore math real, real, real quick. Um, the Singapore math teachers that we, American educators, went over and saw, they found that they embedded into the hard skills of mathematics were soft skills like keep a good attitude, persevere, and bounce back or mm. be resilient in that end. Keep yeah. a good attitude, yeah. persevere and bounce back when you get it wrong. Isn't that interesting? Hard skills and soft skills going together. Yep. Made them better students. Are they smarter? Is their IQ higher? Probably not. Yeah. I just think that soft skill made all the difference in the That's world. Awesome. That's okay, awesome. Okay. So as we wrap up, um, I want to offer you now four messages that I think our students need to hear from us. Okay. 
So if you're seeing what we're seeing, and I, and I bet you are, who doesn't like resourcefulness and resiliency? Yeah. We've got to act on this. Uh, there are consistent messages, I propose, that, um, that our first year students need. And this comeback school, we've got to embrace these if we're going to help these Absolutely. students really make the this comeback. This is the definition of the comeback school, yeah. as you wrote yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we need to help students change their internal narrative following the pandemic. And um, I, I always take heart in the fact that past generations that have gone through either the Spanish flu, which was a pandemic, yep. the Great Depression, which was an economic downturn, both of which we have seen lately. Yeah. They came out of it. Yeah. The greatest generation. We were still alive. Yeah. And the builder generation, my parents' generation, yeah. both came out of it feeling very grateful that they had come through such a time. So wouldn't that be great, listeners, if we could build that same spirit? All right. So four messages. Here's number one. What if we said to our students in so many words, I'll give you my empathy if you'll give me your effort. Let me say it again. I'll give you my empathy if you'll give me your effort. Often, I think students must be reminded that this strange time isn't fun for anybody. Yeah. Teachers, you're not having fun. You're no. not having a blast and going, oh, this is terrible for this. I'm loving it. Yeah. Nobody's saying that. Teachers are human too. And both students and faculty are going to need to agree upon a trade-off, empathy for effort. I just think it works. It's so simple to understand, but hard to practice. I suggest you even articulate this trade-off. I will extend to you compassion and grace on your assignments if you extend to me your very best effort. Yep. Yep. Both must agree upon a social contract. We we talk about this all the time. What's the social contract in your classroom in order to make it? When one party extends what they promise, the other party must reciprocate. Yeah. That's statement number one. I love that. I love that. What we're doing is we're inviting our students to say, we know it's hard, right? But the one thing we can't do is give up. Yeah. That's the one thing we can't do. That's right. And rather, we need to bring our best effort to the table. It's not going to be perfect. Mistakes are going to be made, yeah. but that's okay, right? If we're in this yeah. sort of ecosystem where that's we're right. trading this. I love that. Absolutely. Here's message number two. Um, in today's world, by the way, this is a message from you to the students. In today's world, your attitude is as important as your aptitude. Truth. Now, are GPAs important? Of course they are. Test scores, of course. SAT the schools that are actually still using the SAT. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. they're important. Yeah. But I would just say, don't feel funny about turning into a Zig Ziglar motivational speaker and saying, I need a good attitude, not just a good aptitude in this class. Absolutely. Uh, time will tell how this pandemic will affect grades and outcomes as students graduate. One truth, however, seems sure to me, at least. A student's mindset as they endure a second full year of COVID-19 will make a greater difference than their smarts. Yep. And I believe in both. Yep. Certainly, we're going to have to encourage good grades. But senior citizens who grew up in the Great Depression will tell you it was their attitudes that enabled them to thrive, not, I was really smart and that's how I made it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm yeah. reminded of working with a major company here in the U.S. recently that hires many young people. Yeah. And I've had more than one manager tell me. It is way easier to find a good attitude and train them on the talent part yeah, that's than right. find somebody that's very talented and try and train them on a good attitude. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's just so much more difficult. This is a life skill and a career skill that they're yeah. going to be utilizing. Well, and this goes without saying, but let me just say it. Attitude comes from the narrative we have. Yes. If I have a positive narrative about the future, and I tend to, I'm going to have a better attitude. Yep. Um, but if we don't look for a 
Yeah. Look for attitudes to go south. So true. All right. Number three, this is a message to students now. We need to say, you must trade being fragile for being agile. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that sounds silly and cliche here, but think about it. If we could get these students to trade being fragile, and many of them are fragile. They, yeah. they are. I mean, this has not been fun. 82% of Generation Z members, which would be teenagers and 20-somethings, would say, I have endured at least one trauma. Yeah. And for many of them, it was COVID-19. Yeah. So if that's true, eight out of 10 say I've been traumatized, we're going to have to relay, you got to be agile, not fragile. Mm -hmm. I, we're, we're, let's build this in you. Yeah. Um, Fragile, of course, implies something is delicate and breakable. Agile implies something is adaptable and pliable. Mm -hmm. um, ask any pediatrician, and they will say kids who are uh, kids are naturally resilient yep. when they're born. Okay, yep. you see that toddler fall over all the time, run right. into stuff. <laughs> that's yeah. right, bruise themselves sixteen yep. times. They just keep getting up because yeah. they're because they're agile. But because we treat them as fragile. We freak out when they fall down and, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Well, they start seeing our response and yep. maybe this is really bad, like like mom thinks. So you get the point, everybody. Um, we need to convince them they can bounce back and adjust to the new normal in which we find ourselves. Why not make agility a core value at your school this year? Yeah, I yeah. love it. All right. The last one real quick. The message needs to be you are strong enough to flourish, not flounder. Mm. You're strong enough to flourish, not flounder. Again, this sounds like a cheerleader talking here, but I actually believe that can be deeply embedded into the brains of our students if we say it over and over and over. Too many of them languish because every message they consume, especially on social media, tells them life is awful and that we shouldn't expect much of ourselves, especially right now in this pandemic. Too often it's memes, not great role models that shape our students' worldviews. It's true. Teens need to hear a chorus of messages from caring adults, all singing in unison, I might add, that they have what it takes to rise to the occasion. Students can flourish much like their grandparents or great-grandparents did in very difficult times in their childhood. I love so that. What a great message. What yeah. a great message. So uh, as we were talking about this, I know uh, one of the stories that you told in the ebook was actually a story of a young woman yeah. who is a model, I think, of what resiliency um, and what resourcefulness looks like, especially in the middle of the yeah. pandemic. So I wonder if you might close with that story. Yeah, absolutely. So Alondra is a great example of everything we just talked about. She embraced the four messages. She built competencies in resilience and resourcefulness. So listeners, let me just tell you her story real quick. And then if you want to Google it, you can. It's it's out there on, on the internet. Um, at the ripe age of 18, Alondra Carmona was already making adult decisions at 18, by the way. And when it comes to her mom, you might say no sacrifice was too big. Alondra was a high school senior when she gave her mom, get this, all the money that she'd been saving for college in order to her mom for her mom to avoid eviction from their apartment in Houston, Texas. Wow. So big deal. Eviction's not not that's a big deal. Yeah. But all the she'd been saving money for months and months and months, getting ready to go to this private college. So you likely remember that an estimated 9.2 million people were struggling to pay rent during the quarantine in 2020. Martha, her mom, is a single mom uh, to Alondra and her two siblings. Martha had lost her job as a longshoreman at the Port of Houston three months earlier and had hid the news from her family. She was too embarrassed mm. to share it. When the three sisters found out their mom was losing her job, they also found out that she was three months behind on her rent and that she was going to be evicted soon. 
And that's when Alondra, the hero in the story, by the way, just, just was shifted into high gear. So she'd been making steady deposits to her bank account by working multiple jobs as a high school student. Wow. So not one, but multiple. And, and on, by the way, I might add, on top of making good grades in high school, so she was going after it. That's wild. At this point, however, she recognized the most urgent need was to help mom with rent. So she gave it all to her mom. Now, at first, here's the pivot. Alondra said that she kind of gave up on going to her dream school, yeah. which happened to be Barnard College in New York, okay. a private school. But after giving up on this, that was not her. She was not one to give up. She's resourceful and resilient, and, and she, she gave it a second thought and said, I'm not going to give up so fast on my dream. So she applied to Bernard and got accepted. And next, she began to apply for scholarships at Bernard and received a total of $60,000. That's not bad. Not bad That's at all. I got. Yeah. Okay. Which <laughs> you can write that down, listeners. <laughs> uh, which covered about a year. So this is an expensive yeah, private school. Yeah, it is in New York. an expensive school. Next, she launched a GoFundMe to, you know, page to ask the public for help in funding her studies and her mom's rent. So it wasn't just for her and her schooling. Well, by February of 2021, Alondra had raised over $126,000. Whoa. Her original hope was to raise enough money to help pay for two years of school. But thanks to the generosity of people that saw and loved her story, this resourceful and resilient young lady, uh, they just said, we're given. And all four years of her program were, were funded. It was just amazing wow. that this happened. But it's the, it's the resiliency and the resourcefulness of the young lady. Uh, I love those meta competencies. She shows us it can be done. Absolutely. That's an 18-year-old who thought of doing things yeah. that, frankly, many adults would not have thought of. Yeah. Oh, I should try this. What about GoFundMe? Yeah. What if I pulled together this community of people and told them the situation? Such an amazing story yeah. of a student who just sees all the bigger picture and, and is pulling that all yeah. together. Well, uh, as you can tell, this is a really, really great resource that Tim has developed. It's an ebook. We're actually giving it away for free. It's called The Comeback Classroom, How Schools Can Model and Cultivate Resilience for Their Students. The stuff we talked about is actually just one of the sections of this ebook. There's far more content. I think you're really going to love it. Uh, all you got to do is look at the link in the description for this podcast, and that should uh, take you to the right location to be able to get that ebook. We would love to get that in your hands once. Once again, it's called The Comeback Classroom, How Schools Can Model and Cultivate Resilience for Their Students. We hope that you'll take that resource and begin to put into practice some of the very things that we've been talking about today. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. If you found this podcast particularly helpful and want to share it with somebody, we invite you to do that. Pass it on to them. Tell them you think it, it, it might be helpful for them. If you want to connect with us online, we're at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, people you think we should interview, subjects you think we should cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Tim, thank you so much for leading us today. Thanks for writing this really great resource. Guys, click on that link, download this ebook and start building resilient students uh, in your classrooms today. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.